just by way of administrative detail schedule and so forth, next week we'll do lesson nine. Nine. Lesson nine, which gets you back to chapter eight in Deuteronomy and the rest of chapter ten, and I think on into chapter eleven. But it's but it's lesson nine. Everybody got that? Because I might promise to send out an email, but most likely I won't. Right. Now, that's right. So tonight, what I want to do is, um, wait a minute, I do have an aim. I have an aim. What did I do with my aim? Oh, here it is. Here's what I want to do. Um, when I started, I, I worked through the lesson, and I noticed, you know, the, the title of the lesson was Pride, and I could see where they got that from the first uh, few, you know, the first paragraph of the text when he says that, uh, poses that, is a phrase for that style of argumentation when you, you know, verse 4, do not say in your heart, and he poses, the, he puts a question in, the, in his audience, he anticipates the or articulates that question, and then he proceeds to to, re, in this case, refute, you know, to, to talk about why that's the wrong way to think about these things. So I, I could see where, from that, pride, you could, you could talk about and learn about pride, but it's just that as I spent time in the chapter, it just didn't, pride wasn't the main thing that kept, that was coming out for me. So after I did the lesson, I decided to do um, a thing in Bible study and, I, and uh, that, Maybe some of y'all do it. I'm, I'm going to uh, encourage you to do it and illustrate it for you. You know, last night, last week I had my little one-page uh, PowerPoint, you know. My little, so tonight I've got two pages. Uh, actually, oops, I didn't mean to do it that way. There we go. Uh, that was not part of the, part of the lecture. Um, how many of you, when you study the Bible, have ever, um, you know, print out the text and then... And then just you know, take take a highlighter, multi- different colors, or different colored pens, and just as a way to see the text and observe what's there, do some kind of uh, highlighting keywords, circling keywords. Sometimes uh, I've seen illustrations, and I've done it a few times myself, where you you see something like a, in one part of the text, and you circle it, and you know. Half the on the next page you see it and you draw lines between them. You know this relates to that. Those kinds of things. I highly recommend that, and that's what I ended up doing, as you can see. And so what? But just there's there's uh, meaning to my color coding here, um, because one of the things that struck me, the, the first thing that sort of struck me as I was reading through the text was how many different times in different ways. Moses described the sinfulness of the Israelites. And, and, you know, and, and I guess going back to the pride thing, you know, he set it up. He said, don't think for a minute. Don't, don't think in your heart that it's because of your righteousness. Right? He said, <laughs> he said let's talk about your, 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 are you talking about righteousness? Let's talk about that. And then, so... And he proceeds to talk about the, all their unrighteousness. And then that got me to thinking, uh, of course, as I read through that, you, I'm sure you, you all saw this repetition of 40 days and 40 nights. 
And I wasn't sure what that was all about, but it's certainly in there a number of times, so that, that was my yellow. The other thing that was coming out on a repeated basis was the anger of the Lord, and that was my orange. So, so that's what I ended up doing, to just get a handle on what is this text about. And I want, so just to illustrate uh, and, and commend to you this as a methodology for doing personal Bible study, I want to just show you what I did. And, and here's where I ended up. So my aim uh, out of all of that was to cause the audience to know that the gospel started in the Old Testament. That a, flat, that a news flash to anybody? A Fox News flash? The gospel started in the Old Testament. And so, and the reason I, I said my aim that way is because as I did all my coloring and thought about it and tried to see relationship and structure in the text, I finally decided, you know, I see the gospel in this, in this chapter. And that's what I'm going to lay out for you. Uh, the gospel in terms of Israel's sin, that would be my first point. Uh, God's anger would be my second point. The intercessor, obviously Moses in this in this chapter, right? And I called it God's intercessor. Obviously, God chose Moses and brought Moses to this place. And then, lastly, point four: God's mercy. So you got the people's Israel's sin, Israel's wickedness, Israel's sin, and I, my little parent. And another way I, to label that might be Israel's need for a savior. Or need for an intercessor because their sin provoked the anger of the wrath of God, which is point two, the, the, the wrath of God. Point three is the, the provision of the interceder, the intercessor. And then lastly, God's mercy, and I'll, I'll defend that here in a second. So here's, here's how this works. So if you got your Bible in front of you, what I'm going to do is walk through my color coding and just, just to have you see again in the text. The um, the repetition. So point number one was Israel's sin or the need for an intercessor. So just one of the key words was stubborn. And you see that in verse 6. You know, know therefore that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness. No, for you are a stubborn people. Verse 6, he says, he, he comes back to it in verse 13, he calls them a stubborn people. And then and all the way over into to, uh, verse 27. Verse 27, he says they're stubborn. Now this is, uh, the ESV is what I'm reading from. Um, he calls them in verse 7, he says um, that they are a rebellious people. And look, did you see that from the day... And again, the great contrast is, you know, they might be tempted to think we're pretty special. You know, we're, God has chosen us to save us and give us give us this nice land and to drive out these wicked Canaanites because we're a pretty special group of folks. And, God, and, and Moses is saying, on the contrary, God's going to put you in that land in spite, not because of your righteousness, but in spite of who you are. And he says, in fact, going back to verse 7, the, the, picking up in the middle of the verse, from the day you came out of the land of Egypt, 
until you came to this place, you have been rebellious against the Lord. In other words, it's been going on a long time. You remember, in fact, do you remember some of their first reaction to Moses while they were in Egypt? You remember that? I wanted to go back and study it. But they weren't. They did. Well, they weren't immediately accepting of Moses, even you know when he came. That he had to prove to them that he really was being sent by God. So anyway, uh, he, he calls them rebellious in verse seven, verse twenty-three, and verse twenty-four. Verse 24, you have been rebellious against the Lord from the day I knew you. That's verse 24. He also said they acted corruptly. Look at verse 12. Then the Lord said to me, arise, go quickly down from here. Your people have, <laughs> did you catch that? Your, Your people who you brought out. <laughs> that is just one of the funniest verses to me. In the, and it's, just, it's the classic, you know, the parents. Do you know what your son has done? Yeah. You know, or the, uh, yeah. But so God is telling Moses, your people who you brought out of Egypt, um, they have acted corruptly in verse 12. In verse 12 and verse 16, he says, they've turned aside quickly. They've turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. Uh, they sinned against God, verse 16, verse 18, verse 21. I took this sinful thing. He referred to in, in the ESV, this, the, the, the golden calf, he refers to it as a sinful thing. In verse 27, uh, their wickedness or their sin. In verse 27, he's got three. The stubbornness of the people or their wickedness or their sin and that's Moses' prayer to God. Don't, you know, don't, do not regard stubbornness, their wickedness, or their sin. Um, verse 18, he, he, Moses says he, that they did what was evil. I lay prostate because of all the sin you committed in doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Verse 23, he tells them that, that they did not believe. Part of their sin was they, they did not believe God or obey Him. It's also in verse 23. And at least in three places, they provoked. They provoked God by, these, by their actions. Verse 7 was the first mention of how you provoke. Remember and do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath. Even at Horeb in verse 8, you provoked the Lord to wrath. And then all the way down in verse 22. Because he just gives them a little three, he just mentions three other places. He doesn't go into detail with them. But he talks about it. Taberah, or Taberah, Massah, and Kibroth, Hatavah. These three places you provoke the Lord to wrath. Verse 12, you made an image. Verse 23, we mentioned you did not obey. In verse 27, he used that word wickedness. So I was just uh, struck by the, um, what's the right way to say it? I mean, all the different, the, the exhaustive cataloging, if you will, that Moses did to remind these people of really what, who they were and what, what their hearts were really like before God in great contrast to the thought that maybe it was their righteousness. Well, then... 
The other, the second thing, as I mentioned, that really came, that, that is just dominant to me in this text, is God's anger. And it actually starts, his, his anger toward the Canaanites, right? That's why he's, just in the first few verses, verse 3, Know therefore today that he who goes over before you as a consuming fire is the Lord your God. He will destroy them and subdue them and make them perish quickly. But then he says, but, you know, and that's, that's minimal. That's all he says about the Canaanites, I think. Because then pretty quickly, well, you know, he does mention their wickedness in two places. You know, their wickedness, verse 4 and verse 5, he, he does mention their wickedness in two places. But then, as we just saw, he mentions, the, he turns the attention. Let's not talk about their wickedness. Let's talk about your wickedness, Israel. And he does that. But then his, he, Moses connects the wrath of God towards Israel because of their wickedness. So look, again, go back to verse 7. He mentions the wrath, God's wrath in verse 7 and verse 22, God's wrath. He talks about provoking the God, God being angry. I saw that in verse 8, verse 18, verse 19. And verse 20, so 18, 19, and 20 was a real concentration of the anger of the Lord. And while we're there in verse 19, not only was, you know, I was afraid of the anger and the hot displeasure. The hot displeasure that the Lord bore against you. uh, So that he was ready to destroy. I saw that, that phrase, that God was ready to, Moses tells them, at least five times in this chapter, God was ready to destroy you. Verse 8, verse 13, verse 19, verse 20, and verse 25. And then one time he says in verse 13, he was so mad, God was so mad at these people. What does it say? He, he wanted to wipe them off, blot their name out of heaven. Verse 13, God said to me, I've seen this people, and behold, it's a stubborn people. Let me alone that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven. And we just talked about his hot displeasure. So so their sin provoked God's wrath. Which, again, is is part of the, the gospel. In other words, why do we need a Savior? What is it that we need to be saved from? God's wrath. God is, would destroy us were it not for Jesus. I mean, God gave us a Savior to save us from Him, from Himself. So we're so the intercessor. Now this is a, shorter. God provided an intercessor in Moses, and it's, I think it's tied up in that, in that that repeated phrase, 40 days and 40 nights." Now the question was how many times did Moses actually how many episodes of 40 days and 40 nights I don't have a clear answer I think it's two but y'all can debate that and figure it out and go back to the scriptures but nevertheless clearly that was a key phrase in this text I saw it in verse 9 verse 11 verse 18 verse 25 and then finally in in chapter 10 verse verse 10 at the end of this section 
that Moses talks about how he, he went prostrate before the Lord 40 days and 40 nights, did not eat or drink. And then amazingly, as part of, it, part of his intercessory ministry, God listened to him. Did you see that? I saw that in only in two places, but it's so. I saw it in in um, verse nineteen, and it's in. Look at verse nineteen again. For I was afraid of the anger and hot displeasure that the Lord bore against you, so that He was ready to destroy you. But the Lord listened to me at that time also. And then go ahead all the way to the end of the, to the section in chapter 10, verse 10. I myself stayed on the mountain as at the first time, 40 days and 40 nights, and the Lord listened to me. So the, the intercessory ministry of Moses. So, you know, that's the, the central part of the gospel is we have an intercessor. And then lastly... Point four of my gospel, uh, the gospel of the covenant, was one of the ways I, I labeled this chapter. Is God's mercy? You know, God listened to Moses, and and in what in what was the result of God listening to? And it's 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 just that one. It's in chapter ten, at the very end of the section. Verse 10, the Lord was unwilling to destroy you. Remember how many times, how many times did I tell you Moses told him God wanted to destroy you? God wanted to destroy them. Where is it? Do I have, oh, uh, just ready to destroy. That's in my second. God was so angry. I had five instances, verse 8, 13, 19, 20, and 25. Moses told him, God is ready to destroy you, but he ends this section, verse, chapter 10, verse 10. The Lord was unwilling to destroy you. God changed his mind. Can we say that? <laughs> we don't understand it. <laughs> God was unwilling to destroy you. So that, and I went ahead and, 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 again, part of God's mercy, verse 11, because, you know, verse 11, the closing verse of this section, the Lord said to me, Arise, go, go on your journey at the head of the people, so that they may go in and possess the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Now, while we're on chapter, on verse 10, I didn't really notice this, um, but I saw it, and I saw it in two places actually. And that is, I don't know if you wondered about, well, why, why did this study guide start us in chapter nine, verse one, and not and not end the study until chapter ten, verse ten? What's that all about? And the answer is because that's the, that's the clear in the, the text indicates that that's a unit. Go back to verse one, uh, chapter nine. Verse 1 starts out, Hear, O Israel, you are to cross over the Jordan today to go in to possess nations greater and mightier than you, cities great and fortified up to heaven. So it starts off with that exhortation, that, that charge to go in to possess the land, and it, in verse 10 it ends at that same place. It brings you all the way back 
I mean, full circle, so to speak, go in and possess the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. So I thought, that's pretty neat. So, so that's how I ended up taking the chapter. Um, and again, my, my, my uh, exhortation is to you know, try that if you've never done it before. Print out the text, or if you'd like to just mark up your Bible. Some people like to do that. Um, and observe what's in there and look for keywords, repeated words. And see if that helps you get a feel for what's, what is this chapter about. So I saw it as the gospel. Um, and then one last thing, just as by way of applic- uh, application, is I'm really thinking about, going back to point three, Moses' ministry. We talked in our group a little about, you know, Moses is like Christ. He, he foreshadows, he's a type of Christ for us in that Christ intercedes for us. In fact, the writer of that verse in Hebrews pointed out Christ lives forever so that he might intercede for us forever. So he say he can save us forever because he lives forever to intercede for us. But in another sense, Christ is different from Moses because Moses never Moses did not provide the sacrifice. But Jesus did. But, but this ministry of inter, intercession just got me to thinking, um, you know, why is it that way? I don't have an answer. I just think these things. Um, why is it that we, why is it, why is it such that God, that, that man needs an intercessor, an intermediary between him and God? And I, I know the answer has to do with God's righteousness and God's holiness and God's and our unholiness, and we just can't go into the presence of God. Uh, we need somebody in between, and we need Jesus to be that somebody. But on a more on a practical uh, note, because one of the questions was, well, how is it that that did did Moses' prayers really cause God to change His mind? Really? <laughs> and the answer is. Yes and no. We don't. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. But the scriptures, so the scriptures are clear. God is sovereign. God sits in the heavens and does whatever he pleases. God creates, uh, there's, a, there's a passage in Isaiah, I think it's about chapter 40, 40, in the 40s. God creates calamity. He does good and he creates calamity. And there's, you know, there's, you know those passages where it just God... He, and and uh, Paul, when he ends uh, at, at the very end of chapter 11 in Romans, and he essentially says, God doesn't answer to anybody. He does whatever he wants, right? That's, that's what it means to be God when you're sovereign. That's what that means. And yet, he tells us, you know, Paul said in 1 Thessalonians, pray about everything. Pray without ceasing. Um. You know, Jesus told a parable. This just comes to mind. I've always been struck by this parable. The G, when one of those, there's two different places, I think, in the Gospels where the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. And one of those, one time he answered them with that story of that lady who, you know, was desperate, went over, banging on the neighbors, on the unrighteous judge. 
who, who's, you know, did not fear God, didn't like people and didn't fear God or something like that, right? And, and, and she just kept banging. And finally he got up and gave her, you know, just so she wouldn't wear him out. And, and that's the, and what strikes me about that, that, that and I'm condemning myself, um, because I don't, I don't, I'm not like that lady. So I don't want to bother God with my little things. And, um, but that lady, it wasn't, she was going to bang on God's door. And, you know, I mean, that, what gets me about that is that's the example that Jesus used to teach us about prayer. Um, it, it, and I see, I've told you all this before, my wife, for God just put in, he, she just, he just built a conviction in her life over the years ago, actually, about just praying about everything and just expecting or it, not worrying about the theology of it. <laughs> just, the, just taking God at his word. You know, you, for her favorite, one of her favorite verses, you have not because you ask not, you know. And another one of her favorite verses is Hebrews eleven six. He who comes to God. It's, you know, it's that chapter 11 is the chapter on, on faith, right? And at the very beginning of it, I think it's verse 6. He who comes to God must believe that he is, and that is, and I think this is King James, and that he is a rewarder of those who, who, dil- oh, we've got to look that verse up, and then we'll close. That's a good verse, not um, diligently seek him. I think that's King James. Hebrews eleven six. And she loves that verse because of the two parts of it. Hebrews 11. Yeah, and without, oh, it starts, and this is, it says, without faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God, to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. Yeah, so it's those two components. You got to believe that he is. And sometimes she asks me, "Why don't you? Did you pray about that? Why, not, why didn't you pray about that? Don't you believe that he is?" I mean, it's kind of like, you, "Do wives do that to y'all?" Just sort of. <laughs> anyway, um, so this 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 chapter about you know just seeing Moses willing to you know pray just expected God to to hear his prayers and, and, and actually change his mind, at least from a human standpoint, and not destroy the, the people. Um, it teaches us something about prayer and kind of a boldness and a brazenness, if you will, in prayer. Anyway, um, that's how that's what I got out of uh, chapter nine, lesson eight, chapter nine, that the gospel started in the Old Testament. Next week, again, lesson nine starts in chapter eight (laughs) and ends up over in chapter 10 and 11. (laughs) Let me pray for us. Father, we again, we thank you. We just uh, appreciate, Father, the fact that you, uh, you condescend to us and you do that through Christ, um, Unbelievably, you desire to have a relationship with us, to be our Abba Father, to have us as your sons, uh, to be in relationship with you. You've committed yourself to us. You've given us the scriptures. You've given us your spirit. Uh, we, we just uh, 
We're amazed by all that. Help us to understand the gospel um, and, and help us understand even more pictorially that how Jesus saves us from your just wrath towards our sin. We are not righteous. You didn't save us because of anything, anything righteous in us. In fact, in spite of our wickedness, oh Lord, teach us uh, that we might worship you and love you more fully. We ask you to do that in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen.